So we're here. We're doing it. This is the first episode of the Howler podcast. And I'm really thankful that I have Christian Garcia here today. I'm super excited. All right. So Christian, how do you feel? How do you feel about being here today? Are you excited? I'm really excited. <laughs> I, you know, since uh, we were both campaigning, we were thinking about working together That's and true. like having doing this together. And I, I'm just glad that I can be here and talk and just have a nice chat. And Absolutely. Yes, I agree. So for everyone that's listening right now, I usually like to do an introduction by myself about the podcast, but I feel like this one is pretty self-explanatory. So the way that I see it, this whole podcast is based on the students of the College of Idaho, and I just wanted this to be about anybody and everybody. I wanted anyone to feel like they could come on here and talk about themselves and talk about what they love about C of I, what they're studying, the classes that they've taken, like any good memory, any memory you struggled with when you were here, because we all know that we struggled while we've been here. Ooh, pour one out. But, (laughs) and I really just wanted this to be about the students, and I wanted everyone to feel like they were welcomed on this platform, and I wanted them to feel like they could talk about the clubs and activities that they've been in, the Greek life systems, the, you know, the funny times, the bad times, everything, and in between and I'm really grateful that Christian's here especially in light of everything that's been going on I think I feel like it was the most appropriate to have him as our first guest so Christian why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself what are you studying what are your major minors all that good stuff yes so I'm a junior here at the College of Idaho I am majoring in international political economy minors in business art and design and natural uh, sciences. Um, I'm also a student government uh, vice president of inclusive excellence. And yes, uh, <laughs> snaps. <laughs> yes, and that's kind of like um, what it's been my what I've been doing around campus lately is just addressing those issues that have to do with diversity, inclusion, and equity, um, and kind of like finding the best way to address it as a community. And, um, you know, just give a breath to those people that have been marginalized and that have been underrepresented and give them a voice, give them a space where they can feel comfortable, where they can feel safe. Um, So that's kind of like what I've been up to in this summer and um, the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And this is the first year that this position's ever been ever been a thing. And for people that might not be very familiar with Senate, um, why is that? Why is this position a big deal? Like, why is this important that it's the first time and that it's it's a thing right now? It's a big deal because a lot has been said lately, and I think the college is leading towards that direction where you know we want to be known as a school that really um, is diverse and is very inclusive, and um, you know not only like on paper but deeply in the way we work and how things function and. Um, I think those efforts were more like on the side of the administration and that a lot of things were happening there. But seeing this position from a student side, I think really tells that um, every, everyone just that, you know, we also care from like a student position. And um, there's just things, you know, that um, the administration might not be able to see that we see and having a voice for all these people in you know, or executive council, that is, the, the, the people who represent us, I think, um, it's just, it, it's really a next step um, 
I I'm so happy and I'm so excited to be the first one and to really just show people, you know, like that maybe we're wondering what's the point of this position, kind of like prove that, hey, there there is a reason for this. And mm-hmm. um, it's really important that we have it. And I'm just glad that um, I, like it, it became a thing. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm happy to be, uh, be the one doing it. Absolutely. So. I don't I don't really think that there could have been a better person for Thank this position. You. Yeah, absolutely. And I really feel as though you're right. I think that our school's not perfect, but I really think that the students care a lot to make sure that, you know, when we graduate and leave, we left this place better than we found it. And yeah. I think that the position, um, the vice president of inclusive excellence, like it is to kind of bring more more of these like situations that are these conversations that get swept under the rug, they're meant to be brought to light. And obviously with the way that the world is right now with the political climate and everything, like it's not easy to be the person to have such a leadership position. So I really commemorate you and I really applaud you for it because there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure and expectations that go with having a leadership position at your school like whether it's even if it's just being like an RA or like a a peak mentor or even like a tutor like you still feel like you hold responsibility because you're taking your education so seriously like this is this is a hard school to go to the school's really hard i mean college in general is very challenging but i feel like CVI really challenges you and the faculty and the professors really want you to be a better person by the time you are ready to graduate and i feel like that type of culture that we have here is definitely translated into what all the students do. Because if you talk to anybody that goes here, everyone here has at least two or three things that they're involved in outside of their normal school activities. And it's funny whenever we have like uh, freshman tours or whenever we have like panels talking to prospective students, like that always blows them away. But it's so normal to be so over involved here. And it's funny because it's like a joke. Yes. It's like, yeah, I'm so busy, haha. Ha, but it's like, no, for real, like you really are. And it's funny how it just kind of all happens to you. You never start freshman year thinking like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. It just kind of like, you kind of learn about yourself and like you learn about what's important to you. And that translates in the things that you do in your time here. And I feel like it definitely says a lot that you are willing to, first of all, that you wanted to do this position. But second of all, that you you were elected to it and now you're doing it in real time. So you're, you're doing all of those things that you set out to do. And I feel like you've been doing a really great job. And I think everybody would agree that we, we couldn't imagine like a better person for this. Well, position. thank you. So, yeah, yes. absolutely. So you said that you're studying international political economy. So what, did you know that you wanted to study that when you came here or did you kind of like think about it beforehand? Um, I knew that I wanted to study that when I came here, but it was not what I grew up thinking I was going to do. Um, all my life, I wanted to be an architect, and back home, I really, really um, wanted to be an architect. And that was, you know, I applied uh, to college. I graduated uh, high school back in Venezuela, mm-hmm. and I was ready to go to, uh, and study architecture. And then um, I got selected to go to UWC, which is two years of high school, like extra. So I did high school twice. And then once I arrived to UWC and I was exposed to, you know, so many ways of thinking, so many faiths, so many uh, 
political views, so many different values. It like it really enriched me, but it also made me aware of problems that I was not aware of before. You know, back in Venezuela, it's a very uh, male chauvinistic society. You Machismo. know, very sexist. Yes, mm -hmm. it's um, and. Back then, it wasn't really a problem for me. It's kind of like that fish that is in water. Like, you know, you don't, you can't see the water. Yeah, if, right. It's um, your normal. It's your normal. Mm -hmm. And that, that was it for me. And then, you know, I think I, I had struggled with so many of, like, my identities back home. But it, it was never, like, a problem that I could pinpoint and say, like, oh, this is it, you know? Yes. And... I totally understand. Going to Germany, that really... It really... Seeing... Uh, being with so many different people, you know, at international school and... and um, like the the main idea has like was understanding of each other and kind of like just live with with each other and and understand yeah understanding each other on a deeper level mm -hmm. it really made me realize like how important my identities are and how wrong things that were normal back home are and how they affect me mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm latino i'm pansexual i have a, a disability too and those were things that back home they were kind of like under People would look down into, uh, at me, and um, it, I never saw it. I, I I never could find the root of the problem. Like it was always like there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And then being exposed, it really made me realize, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. The system is wrong. It's it, the, the the environment and the way people are said or like uh, or the, the the way the environment sets people to think about people like me and my sexuality, my my identity as a Latino man, um, that's what's wrong. And then it, it, it made me think, like, what's the best way to that I can get involved and improve all that? Mm -hmm. And part of that, you know, that had to do with education. And I realized that, you know, the reason why I wasn't aware of these problems when I was back home is because I didn't, I was never educated on them. Yeah, right. And I, I needed to have some people to guide me and to really teach me, hey, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, this is the problem. These are the issues, you know? This is bigger than us. It's 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 not about you. It's about, you know, the world we're in and the way we're, we're programmed to think. And having that really made me realize um, this thing of, like, the things I know that I don't know. And I, I realized that I don't know so much. And um, coming to the College of Idaho, you know, my idea was to study marketing. I'm a... I'm a very artistic person mm -hmm. and um i'm not into like history and all that stuff so that's why i didn't want to go for an arts major because <laughs> i didn't want to like, yeah. get into the art history courses art history um, is a drag yes <laughs> <laughs> it's not exciting at all yeah and I, I, any history for me i'm just mm -hmm. like you know I'm, I'm it's not my thing mm -hmm. at least the way history classes are set mm -hmm. um and I was like, okay, um, you know, I'll do my marketing, I'll do my art, and then you know, something else. And then getting here, I talked to some uh, people that were in the POE department, and it, re it really caught my attention. And I was like, maybe this is something I can do. Yeah. And I started double majoring at first. And then, with, like, getting busy, and last year, you know, there was a point where um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, and... You know, that starts with myself and taking care of myself. And at yes. some point I realized that my academic load was just not realistic for me to handle. So I dropped one of my classes and that eventually ended up in me dropping my marketing major. And it was a tough choice because it was like, what can I drop? And then I just, through taking the IPE classes, 
I just fell in love with the department, with what we do, you know, just like really being critical of your surroundings and your the system where you live in. And, you know, like it's, it's not about like shitting on them, but really understanding that there is things that are flaws and, you know, maybe the change can start within you. Mm-hmm. So that was really what made the difference. And I was like, I want to go for it. Yeah. IP major and um it's been great it's uh I love it I'm I'm in love with my major um and I don't think I'll change it so it's a good one if for if for people that don't really know but I feel like everybody kind of knows <laughs> the political economy department is like always popping like there's I feel like that's one of our biggest majors is IPE or POE and like next to like biology and like the sciences like political economy is a very you, you can just feel it. You can tell. It's a very powerful major on campus, and everybody that does it, it's so funny. You can just totally tell, I like, POE and IPE kids when you have a class with them because they're so – they're I don't want to say argumentative because I feel like that's <laughs> – I feel like that's a bad connotation, but I just mean, like, these people, they have such a way with words because of the, of the, the way that the – uh, curriculum is set and they they totally know how to argue and they know how to synthesize and they know how to think critically and no they're like pretty they're pretty powerful students they are people to be they're forces to be reckoned with and <laughs> everyone seems to really enjoy that major and it seems like I feel like anybody could do it like it's not like science where you have to really have a knack for like or math you know like one of those like uh where you really have to have a knack for like numbers or like yeah. that the discipline like i feel like anybody poe is a very agreeable area of study because you can go off and there's so many different divisions and parts of it like i've taken a few like the the ones i've taken i took privilege and oppression winter mm-hmm. term my sophomore year yeah with uh hern mm-hmm. and that was really good like that class made me want to like be a poe minor major or something i'm not but <laughs> i was so like on fire all the time in that class it was it was just a really good class and it was only an hour like yeah. i couldn't even imagine like a three-hour poe class or like a like a regular semester poe class where i went like three times a week or twice a week or whatever but yeah that one was really good yeah i think it's a really inviting environment in the sense that you know it's always up, everything is always up for debate and discussion. Yes. You know, there is not like absolute like pride, like in maths, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. So people feel really willing to talk in class and give their perspective and um, also to change their own. You know, I've been in class so many times that I come with a certain idea and then somebody comes with an argument and, you know, I find that argument persuasive and I'm like, wow, you know, I never really thought about the, this issue that way. And just like, I think that kind of like has helped me with like my student government position right now. Yes. um, Just in life, you know, to be able to sit at a table and have a like a decent, respectful conversation on where, why we disagree. But not only Mm -hmm. that, um, not not only that, but also being open enough to, you know, admit and say, oh, wow, like I find your argument persuasive. I think you, you might have an idea, you know, but kind of like i think one one thing that any poe or ip major could tell you is that there is no absolutes there is no like uh, uh, one truth mm-hmm. everything is a mix of uh, uh, bits and pieces of things and you know it's just it, it's finding what's useful from yeah. everything that that kind of like makes for up for that ideal or that perfect working system and, i agree um I, that's something that i've found very useful like in in the poe department and um yeah no, that's good. I love it. Yeah, I feel like I always go through phases where I'm like, if I could redo my time here, I would major in this and that, mm-hmm. minor in this. Like, 
I just I love the aspect of learning and I love how um how like thought-provoking POE seems to be and I feel like you're right it's a very applicable area of study and it's always going to be relevant like it's never going to fade out it's never going to not be exciting there's never not going to be something to talk about with that major like you're never it's never going to get boring and stuff yes it never gets boring (laughs) yeah I think we're going to take a short break and we will be right back there okay so thinking about the position that you now hold despite the fact that we just started school actually you've been working as the role of the VPIE since technically before last year ended really and all throughout the summer. So what are some things that you are excited about that you've been kind of working on with your new position? Yeah, so it's been a busy summer. A lot of things have been happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I took on during the summer was just addressing and and reviewing the college's Title IX policies and um, kind of like the little things. Um, I think students have been very vocal on how they feel and the impressions they have regarding uh, Mm -hmm. Title IX at the college, and that was really a red flag for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have been in conversations with administration, and there seemed to be a despair between like what the impression from the administration was and what the impression from the students was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really tried to make sure, like, hey, you know, like I know that all these things are happening and working, but uh, students are not aware. So how can we make sure that students know so that they're like that safety and that it, and the trust is built yes. um, to move forward? So um, that was something that we worked on especially I was it was exciting and disappointing at the same time because earlier this summer the Department of Education released a new Title IX rule and it was criticized a lot by uh, organizations that advocate for uh, survivors of sexual assault because it had a very anti-survivor rhetoric Mm -hmm. and that was something that I wanted to address with the college from the very beginning and how can we make sure that you know while we comply legally with this we still make sure that um, people feel safe and that was uh, a lot of work um, during the summer I, I was working with two other students uh, three other students from diversity council and um, I got some advising from faculty I managed to um, get some advising from someone that works at a firm that specializes in title nine so I had all these resources and um, we were kind of like addressing you know the new rule gave a lot of room f- to schools um, to have like their own input and in things, and we were we kind of wanted to make sure that those parts where the college it, it was up to the college on what to do it was the safest thing and and the most uh, like the, the, the yeah the healthiest thing to do for survivors. Um, so that is something that I was really excited. You know um, that uh, review process has been is done right now like the rule and kind of like how the college is addressing it and everything is available online so now we're kind of like looking into the small things and what can we do in, in terms of like small things to make people feel comfortable one of the observations that i had is like you know we don't have any um female officers in campus safety trained for camp for title nine mm. and i think that's very important so that's kind of like what Ooh, the yeah i definitely did not know that yeah <laughs> so it's it's right now like after we reviewed like kind of like the legal stuff we're kind of like focusing on like what's the stuff that we have here that relates to that process that we can improve and it's little things like that like you know just getting uh female officers trained in campus safety regarding title nine issues that can really make a difference when it comes to whether a survivor reports or not 
So that yes. is something that I'm really excited and passionate about. Yeah. You know, I'm a survivor of sexual assault myself. And um, I can, in, you know, I, I understand the, the emotional charge that all of these issues yeah. have. And a lot of people and a lot of survivors that would like to speak up on this, they don't do it. And there's a Be stigma. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I'm trying to break that stigma and yeah. really have a table, a safe uh, table where people can come and talk about these issues mm -hmm. and, you know, um, feel like they can talk about it and not being judged. And um, that is a, a really big project that I took on and I am really excited about. Um, there are some other things happening. Um, right now, We I'm working together with uh, Vice President Anderson to create this diversity training that will be delivered for senators. Um, and, you know, the, the training is divided in five units. We have a unit uh, that talks about privilege. We have a unit that talks about gender and sexuality. Uh, we have a unit that talks about, like, uh, about a able-bodiedness, uh, religion and faith. And then the last one is intersectionality and how all these things that we talked about before, you know, it, it's kind of like they're not mutually exclusive you know those there, there's an intersection of all your identities and they're all important and they all come into play and in how this system and how things affect you so yes. um that is something that i'm really excited about especially because that is so exciting i can't i just took a class with blackwell sean blackwell about <laughs> it was literally intersectionality and it was so good and i didn't i i think i understood what intersectionality meant but like it is definitely like a new term and it's a new thing that I think where people are being more conscious of but I think that's really impressive that is so progressive and like <laughs> forward thinking especially for senators because um for people that don't know what senate is it's basically like student council essentially and senate is made up of how many senators 24 24 and they all represent different um I hope I'm right yeah, I think so. I don't yes. know. <laughs> they all represent the different living communities on campus. There's Finney, Anderson, uh, Heyman, Voorhees, off campus, the Ketchup Village. and Mustard. Yeah, and then are there are there units right here, or is that part yes? They're there by Ketchup and Mustard. So nice. all the okay, villages cool. together. Yeah. I think. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, and then so and I, I think that because usually the training's just about like the what is it the how to have a meeting? What's it called? Blake would be so mad because I don't remember what it's called. I should it's know the, this. I know the, the rules of order. And yeah, yes. that one. Um, <laughs> kind of like how to behave. Uh, That's how boring it is. I don't yes. remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a basically how to have a meeting and how to like run a Senate session, blah, blah, But I think that this type of training, I I would be really excited to see it um, implemented like everywhere. As, as the time goes, we'll see. But like I think it would be cool to introduce like incoming freshmen to it when they have like their hall meetings i think it's i know for ra training they do something similar too yeah where i think i don't know if it's exactly the same thing but i've i've had friends that were ras and they were telling me about the training and it's definitely very forward thinking like that where they talk about things that aren't very comfortable but yeah. are important to be talked about if you're going to be in charge of a diverse group of students especially if they're freshmen and you know, they have random roommates and they're all living together with different people for the first time and they're not at home. Like these types of training are very essential for in general. And I think it's really awesome that you guys are doing that. And I love how detailed it is because really like it's you can't be detailed enough, I feel like, with these types of trainings because you want to make sure you tackle everything 
that way nobody can come back and be like, well, I didn't know about this. And like, we didn't talk about it and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, we, we're going to do it all. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think our executive council realized that we're like, we're bringing my position in, like, this is something that plays into every aspect of student life. Yes. You know, I, yes. I think a lot of people had the impression that it, it was going to be a position where, um, you know, like, oh, when something related to the LGBT community happened or like very like specific issues, like this position will come into play. And, you know, we're all learning from this. And what we, we, what we have come to realize is that um, it plays everywhere. You know, every, every single issue, like there is something related to diversity and inclusion that needs to be considered. And that's why we really want to like push for these things to be, uh, I think, in every aspect of student life. And we're trying to make it from our space. And, you know, it, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm working on creating a manual, like an actual manual. So if any other organization is interested, they can also, also come and the manual will be available and saying, hey, this is what you can do to, you know, train your, the people. And we, what we want to do in the long term is really push for these trainings to be delivered to all student leaders, you know, um, leaders yes. of clubs. Um, I love it. And maybe, you know, like Greek life, I think, you know, uh, we have had uh, fraternities and sororities that have come, like individual ones. To me saying, hey, like, we heard that you're doing this. Would you be interested in yeah. delivering this to our fraternity or to our sorority? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, maybe making it more, like, broad and available to uh, more people, it, it, I think it will make a difference. Yeah. So that's something that we really want to push in the long term. Um, and this is kind of like the tryout with Senate to see how they feel, what can be improved, yeah, right? you know? Like, like at the, the end of the day, picks. we're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it, it was definitely something that I wanted to be, like, but it that had very specific issues and um it, i and also just be like intro to diversity and inclusion 101 yeah but yeah. you know this is just the, the first one and it's mm-hmm. one thing that we also need to understand is um it's the first one but it doesn't have to be the last one yeah a lot of people think oh i did have one diversity training i'm ready to deal with the world exactly and or they're like oh well we already did it we, we did one like why it's fine like everything's better now exactly know? and it's like no like you know this is yeah. probably the, going to be the first one but at least i am definitely i don't think we've had a discussion about it yet but i will definitely push for like another training you first know, maybe. of many exactly mm-hmm. um and again just kind of like bringing that to other uh, aspects of campus or ambassador like the ambassadors group came yes and the leader approached me and she said hey you know this is something that i really want to bring to the ambassadors um and um that's another thing you mentioned rest life a lot of these people when they come and ask for diversity training what they have in mind is like you know lgbt people or race issues or things like that and diversity is broad yes. you know it Yes, when we think about diversity, we pro- the first thing that comes to our mind is like people from different with different skin colors. Yeah, but, right. You know, it, it again, <laughs> there is so much diversity within diversity, and it's important that we bring light yeah. to all of these groups because they all have their own issues and they are all worth addressing. So um, that I want to make sure that you know in these diversity trainings that's addressed and saying, yes, okay, look, this is important, but. There is also other things that mm-hmm. you should be considering in your role as a student leader. So yes, yeah, and I think um, people have they. I just think that they tend to have preconceived notions of what it means to be different, mm-hmm. and they just want to pinpoint it to what they see on the outside. But like, 
so you can be so much more than what you just appear. And like, that sounds cliche and it's like, oh, well, I know that. But it's mm -hmm. like, you know, that's the way that we are going to make this more of a universally talked about conversation is because different people are approaching you about it from Greek life to ambassador council to, um, you know, res life. Like it, like being uh, tolerant and learning about people and taking the time to kind of celebrate and like see people for all the different things that they are in a positive way like that transcends across jobs across skin color across um positions like even like probably like you know the the op department could even mm -hmm. use it like it's literally anywhere where you have a group of people that are different like of course you're gonna need it like it's applicable it's not just like oh we don't have that problem here or oh you know because that's like turning a blind eye to the things that you might not be able to see because of your own privilege or because of your own experiences or lack thereof or whatever. And I keep seeing a lot of stuff on um, like on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And it's like, that's not what CVI stands for with like all of the stuff that had recently been controversial of the college. But I really think that this is like the true essence of CVI's like student community is different people approaching you to say, hey, I heard you're doing a thing with inclusivity. I want my group to be a part of that. Or as a leader, I want that to be what my group focuses on the next few weeks. Or, hey, like, we're having, like, some trouble with our group. Like, can we be part of your diversity training? Like, people that step up when they think no one's watching and people that kind of try to get to the root of the issue, like, that is what a real... Like C of I student leader is is somebody that is trying to do better for all, and I really think that in light of you know the the pride the pride stuff that got vandalized, and in the case of all of the kind of like racial tension that's been going on in America, I really think that our student body is kind of looking inward, and we're looking at each other and saying, okay, like, we all play a part in making our college better. It's not just up to you. It's not just up to me. Like, how can we all make this college a better place? Like, regardless of the position that we hold or regardless of what kind of role that we have here at the, at the school, whether it's just a student or whether we're super involved or even, like, if we're an athlete or whatever, it's like, everybody has the opportunity to make this place better if we all just try a little bit. And even if we're not sure how or whatever, like it's super easy to just get involved. And it sounds like a lot of people are approaching you, which is super awesome because that's why, you know, you have the role that you have. But it also says a lot that people feel comfortable to approach you with this training. And I really can see it being like a I don't want to say universal because I don't mean the world, but like across like campus wide, I could really see this training being implemented everywhere. And I think that that is a really huge that is a really huge like baby step. And I have not seen anything like that in the three, four years I've been here. It's like everybody has talked about why we should do this and why it's important. But I feel like we're finally able to put those words to action. And I think that it's going to be very successful if we continue to go with the stride that we are making right now. So I think that's really awesome. I think it's yeah, great. And, you know, I think it's important to highlight that a lot of these things were things that people had in mind. And I, I feel like they didn't. Uh, for them, there was no uh, a space where they could come and share these ideas and say, hey, yeah. look, like, this is what I, I think, you know, this is what should happen. And at the end of the day, we as an executive council are student representatives, you know. Yes, mm -hmm. we have our own voices, but that's something that I've tried to make very clear to myself is no matter, like, what my opinion is, like, yes, 
I should be able to bring it up because I'm, I'm part of the student body too. Mm-hmm. But if I see a tendency, if I see a recurrent issue that is coming up among the student body, like it's my duty to come and say, you know, I'm the one that has like that close interaction with administration. I'm the one who should make that call and say, hey, look, this is what students are talking about. This is when students are concerned. Yes. And this was something that, you know, it, it was going around, but um, nobody really felt that they had a space. And I brought it up to our uh, executive council and I was like, you know, I think one issue that at least I experienced in the past with uh, ex- the executive council and the reason why I, I didn't get involved is because communication w- or transparency was really hard. And, you know, even until last year, I, I, fall, uh, spring semester last year, I didn't know that you could come to Senate sessions if you wanted to. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that for me, it's a communication issue. Like, why do students don't know that they can come and participate? Why students don't know that these are opportunities that, you know, they're available for everyone. And I really pushed, um, or we're all, like, I think as a unit, we're all pushing towards that transparency and coming with initiatives. We have our um, weekly updates. They come out every Sunday night, like, for everyone listening, you know, go to our AFCI Executive Council Instagram they're there um, in the highlights, and every night we post them. Every Sunday night, we post kind of like what's happening during the week. Um, in our uh, bio, there is also a link to an anonymous suggestion bo- box, which is the other thing that we were discussing. You know, there's people that have issues here, and because of the complexity and um, the identities that are involved in these issues, they don't feel like they can come and put a name with like that thought or with that concern. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I recognize it. Us being in student leadership positions, especially, like, student government and executive council, it can be really intimidating for us to just approach us. And yes, that's, I wanted to make sure that people still had a platform to share their thoughts mm-hmm. without feeling that intimidation. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, if you're listening, like, I'm here and I'm open. Like, feel free to send, shoot me a message, an email, um, anything, like, I'm supposed to be that voice yes. and I'm supposed to be here to listen. And um, we're, we're trying to find ways for people to like, even those who are not like as comfortable, like sharing something like face to face or sending you a personal message that they still have a platform to say what they think and to say what uh, they're concerned about. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that. I think that's been a really, really big step that we have taken as an executive council is kind of like reassure that compromise that hey we are supposed to be here for you yes and vocalizing that transparency exactly and Mm -hmm. you shouldn't feel uh any type of uncomfortable with bringing any issue to us because at the end of the day we're supposed to help you resolve those concerns and you know again i think we're trying to really make this where it's like we have like our own personal opinions but if we see something that is recurrent and even if we disagree with, like, it's worth bringing it up because, again, let's have room for discussion. Let's have, like, you know, these conversations. Like, I think it's very valuable to have conversations with people you don't agree with because even if you, at the end of the day, you're not convinced, it will give you a deeper understanding of where these people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And yes. that really gives in terms of uh, empathy. I'm really big on empathy. I think one of our biggest problems in society right now yes. is empathy. And um, I've given talks here at the college during like or ISO week and global affairs about empathy. And it's like 
you know, our world and the way everything is set right now, we talk about each other in terms of numbers, you know, like something yeah. happens on the TV is like how many victims, how many, and all this stuff kind of like tends to dehumanize the issue and it, it, and we forget that there is real people there. Yeah, and I agree. These are people that, you know, have their own issues. Like, I don't know if you have seen this um, thing on YouTube. I think it's called something on Spectrum or something like that. And it's, um, they bring three people from one side of like one specific issue and three people from the other side. And it's kind of like, okay, there's a statement. If you agree with it, come forward and let's have that discussion. And um, there was this issue on immigration and people like uh, that support uh, undocumented immigrants and then the ones that like think that, you know, whatever, like they shouldn't be here, they're illegal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and these people on the, uh, on the, they were undocumented immigrants themselves and they were telling their stories. And one of the questions was towards the end um, that the question was directed to the more conservative people. Um, they were asked, what do you think about, do you think they should be allowed to stay? And it was really interesting to see like, well, now that I know their story, I think they should be allowed to stay, but not the rest. And it's like, look, these three people that you have in front, they're just like, they're, there's just like that story. But all the people that you think shouldn't come here, they also have their stories. And it, you need to like, you know, even if you are not hearing them personally and you don't know personally, mm -hmm. there is, we're humans, there is emotions, there is like suffering, there is pain, you know, the, the, this is like, most of these issues are not like, you know, oh, I just decided from one night to another how I feel about this, you know, yeah, and they right. come with time. Yeah. And I think it, it's it, it, it's a big problem in our society right now that we don't really try to empathize with each other, with each other's struggles. Um, Especially when they're radically different from us or when we, we assume that, oh, they're, they support this or they don't support that. So they must be a this and a that. And I'm just like done, you know, like, yeah, it's it's hard because I feel like we do that to protect ourselves yeah. you know i feel like we judge people or we decide to not empathize with them or to not try to see them as human as a way of to to protect ourselves from getting hurt like i definitely yeah. understand that but it's like i definitely agree with you it, it that is like being the bigger person is like trying to imagine them and what they go home to and like what their life is like and like how they were raised and like what is normal to them and what's not yeah. and that's really hard but that is truly seeing somebody with a full heart and not a broken one and not like a, like a, you know, you're, you're trying to see the person exactly as they are and you're trying to strip away your bias that mm -hmm. you tend, you want to just automatically have of them. And that, that takes a lot of patience and that takes a lot of courage to decide to see somebody that way. And, you know, I think that's, I think you're right though. I do think when you, when you talked about like the stats and stuff, it's like, that's we're, that's kind of normalizing what what it's about. Like if mm -hmm. it's about like, you know, when a natural disaster happens, and they talk about how many homes were destroyed. Mm -hmm. That's just like normalizing natural disaster, which I know kind of we don't have control over that. But it's like you're you're forgetting that those were people's homes and you were forgetting that all those people are now displaced and like they lost all of their things. And you're kind of like, yep, that's the news. That's what happened. That really sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're not thinking like, how could I help those people? Like, could I give to something? Is there some sort of like GoFundMe or could I donate or if I blah, 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 you know? And I think that's just kind of like the problem with the the current year we live in because of how technology is. It's yeah. so instant and it it's you can acquire any 
any sort of information on the spot with your phone that like you do definitely kind of like forget where this information comes from or you forget that it's real. Sometimes yeah. it just feels like it's not because it's in your hand yeah. and you can just close the app and close your phone. You're like, okay. And then you just, you know, keep doing your thing. But I do think, yeah, I think empathy is a very important um, trait. And I think, I think it's good you bring it up because it definitely, you need to be an empathizer if you're going to be in your position. You know yes. what I mean? Like yeah. you can't be biased <laughs> and you can't, you can't have like all of these preconceived prejudices going forward if you're going to be talking about inclusivity and if you're going to be talking about diversity and why it's so important you know what I mean you have to really kind of like surrender yourself and like know when to back away and like let it go yeah and that's hard we were talking about that before the podcast started how like I have a hard time with that (laughs) yeah no it's really hard and I I just want to protect everyone and I get I I just get mad yeah no especially with my position it's it's really hard because you know with other positions you have uh, the president, vice president, treasurer, and secretary. And those are jobs that are, you know, like, deal with a lot of, like, administrative stuff or, like, more kind of, like, let's, let's talk about bureaucracy and things like that. And it's really easy for you if you're in that position to kind of, like, put, like, divide uh, what is job and what is your personal life, you know. Yes. And you're doing job and you can just disconnect and have a personal mm-hmm. life. With my job, what I've found is that, it's impossible for me to do that because the issues I'm dealing with with yeah. student government and so are issues that affect oriented. me personally. Yes. You know, and mm-hmm. it's something that I have to deal with my whole life, like mm-hmm. every day. So it, it, it's hard to, like, I cannot put that, like, wall. And that's what, like, I really put a lot of effort into in, that empathy because I'm, like, I can, I'm experiencing myself, you know, how these issues affect me and, and it, it, how complex they are. And I can just imagine how all these other issues are affecting other people. And, you know, like I, I guess because I am there in that kind of like in the middle of the storm, I can empathize with the, that other person that is in the middle of their own storm. Um, and it, it's just sad that we have to like come to this point where you need to listen to my struggle to understand. Um, you know, ideally yeah. what I would like to see is, you know, I'm telling you something that that it clearly affects me personally. Why do I need to give you more explanations on whether or not there should be a change in this? You know, like, are my feelings valid enough? You know, like, yes. And and I think that that's something. You know, it's hard, and I I don't know what the answer is, but I, that is something that I would like to tackle. Like, how can we as a community, you know, come together and instead of starting questioning when somebody has an issue, let's say, okay, let's find out what uh how can we help you you know what what your issue is and you know the problem with these conversations is that a lot of them can feel like a personal attack you know when these are really difficult conversations they are very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but one thing i think it's important is we need to realize that these topics are bigger than us yes and just because we're talking about them doesn't mean it's a personal attack on yourself Mm -hmm. you know like uh white privilege like white supremacy these are things that I will, will be like talked about, you know, in terms of like uh, white people. And if I say it and you're white, it doesn't mean I'm attacking you personally. It doesn't mean, you know, like um, you're a bad person. I'm just saying like indirectly you're benefiting from all this. And, you know, it's again, it's about acknowledging our own privileges. Yeah. And the thing is that some of these topics have like an emotional and just like they're more charged, they're more dense, you know, like when it comes to race issues, yes. they're very like dense and 
you know, a lot of people when they think about privilege, and this is something that we were talking about earlier, um, it's for them, it, um, it's about white privilege, and that's all they see. And you know, if you if you mention white privilege and they're white and they don't see themselves as racist, they will feel it as a personal attack. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, like, sub, this is not about you. Like, these conversations are not about us as individuals. These conversations mm-hmm. are about, like, something bigger. You know, racism is a word, like, that is charged because of I- its nature, you know? And, again, um, it-, it took me a long time to understand, but, like, I- I've come to understand that racism is not um, an act, it's the system. And um, what you... what what you need to get from that is that you know like because it's the system it benefits some people if like yes. whether they want it or not and it oppress some people whether they want it or not mm-hmm. and it's like okay let's have these conversations in terms of like what is bigger and rather than or small little words and um it's like a snowball effect yeah you know it's like very much racism i think it's it's like cultural but it like it builds on each other like it starts with like culturalistic ideals and then it builds and then like people that partake in it whether they know it or not they sometimes hold like big positions yeah and then that's how it becomes like systemic and like problematic and it just grows and grows and grows and it's really hard to kind of separate yourself from the privilege that you have because I have privilege even though I'm Hispanic and I'm gay I didn't realize like I grew up in a suburban neighborhood in a very like nice area of Nampa and I had both my parents were married for a majority of my life so I had a two-parent like income and I didn't realize that that is like my own privilege that I grew up in a really nice area and I had two parents my whole life so we had like we weren't rich but we had like I I never worried about like money I never worried about like groceries I never worried about like our bills getting shut off like my parents weren't perfect and we definitely had our times when we struggled but the things that I have experienced in America being a domestic student with like the family that I the family dynamic I grew up with and like the way that I lived my life like that has created privilege within myself and I'm like just because I am a minority and I'm all these other things doesn't mean I can just be like yeah I totally understand it's like you don't you know and it's not like the thing is I feel like it's it's just like black or white sometimes it's like you either understand or you don't and it's like that doesn't mean that you can't learn how to sympathize and you can't learn how to like be there for people who are marginalized it doesn't mean you can't ever be an ally but it's like you have to really teach yourself how to step back and be aware of your privilege and know okay what does this mean how can i be better and how can i learn to turn my sympathy into empathy yeah you know and like how can i learn to be a listener at times and how can i learn to be a speaker and like how can I learn to take what these people are telling me, not necessarily about me as a personal attack, but like about the environment and about the world that I live in, in the yeah. life that I walk, you know what I mean? And when I was a freshman, a freshman, sophomore in Senate, something mm-hmm. that was kind of controversial that really, I was like, oh my God, I like needed to check myself was about um, the ADA compliant mm-hmm. uh, buildings and doors and stuff like that. And how C of I was not very up to par with those types of things for people. And I didn't realize that I was so able-bodied. Like, you don't even realize it. That's the thing, like, about privilege. You don't realize it all the time. And I didn't realize how much that would probably be very off-putting if I 
you know, if I couldn't walk or if I was in a wheelchair or if I was injured and I had to hobble around, you know, like I putting yourself in that person's place, you're like, God, yeah, that sucks. Why don't we get more? Um, why don't we get like doors that open automatically? Why don't we build ramps? Like when you're able to kind of see it from that person's perspective, it, it changes your mind. Like it, if you, if you're a good person, you know, I feel like it should change your mind. And that was like eye-opening to me that this is why I want to be in school. I want to be in school because I want to learn more about the world. I'm learning about different people while I'm here and mm-hmm. I'm learning how to think about life outside of what I have known in my 21 years of being, living in Idaho. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Christian and I both have completely different experiences because we did not live the same life. And there's so much that we can learn from one another. And that is what I think is the foundation of education is that you should take these experiences to make you a better person. So every time you leave this campus and you walk out your door, you are trying to make the world a better place by constantly being a student to your environment, that you're constantly listening to other people, that you're constantly taking, like learning how to take like a backseat to when BIPOC people are trying to tell you about their experiences and when they're trying to just vent and just be and just, you know. And do not take it personal, you know, like, that's hard. Listen and do not take it personal. I mm-hmm. think that's the biggest thing these days. You know, um, one of the things that I was mentioning to you before is um, a lot of people, if, and I'm, I'm going to talk about like the race issue here because I think it like, you know, it, it can apply to homophobia and all that. But mm-hmm. when yes. um, people think about racism, they think about intentionality and they think like, oh, you can only be racist if you hate black people. You know, mm-hmm. you can only be racist if like, if, if, you're in te- if your intention is to be racist and it doesn't work like that. Like, our world and, like, we are set in a way that, you know, we all privilege from a system that oppresses uh, black people and people of color. So, there are things that, you know, if, 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 if in a case, like, if you're white or, like, if you're straight, you look at the world through that whiteness or through that, like, straight lens. Yes. And there are issues that are just invisible to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not a, an actual thing. Yeah. And there are comments that you might say. There are certain things, the way you phrase things, like... You know, that can be homophobic. There are things that you can say that can mm-hmm. be racist. Does that make you a bad person? No, because, you know, we are all learning in this process. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, um, like that, that, that's, that's what makes you humans. That's what makes us humans, humans is that, you know, we can grow and learn. But it takes acknowledging that what you say was racist. It takes acknowledging that what you say was homophobic or transphobic mm-hmm. or, you know, like uh, uh, it, it can be even body shaming, like things yes. like that, that, you know. In our head, they're not a problem to us, and we say things and we joke about it. And just because they're not a problem to us, it doesn't mean it's like there is no uh, there is no person listening that could be affected by these issues. Mm-hmm. And that's what I I really mean, like by, by that empathy is like, yes, look, I'm listening and all that, but it's also keeping yourself in check and and, yes. and, and and you know hold yourself accountable. And you know if you do something wrong, like it's not only like oh shit like okay i i said this or i did this and like okay i will not do it next time but maybe it's time for you to go and like you know go to that person that you heard and it's like look i said this and i just i realized how wrong it was and i i would like to make it up to you you know like what what can i do like you know i i know that that was not okay It, it it takes that and i think we are not there yet a lot of people still because again, racism or homophobia or all these things are very like they're they're negatively charged. Yeah. So when you bring it to a conversation, many of them can feel like a personal attack. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, it's I'm not saying you're a bad person, and that's what people think. You know, like for them, 
listening to all these things it's like oh wait but no like i'm i do this and i listen and all that and it's like i'm not saying you're a bad person i'm just yeah, saying right. you know you are not aware that this can be hurtful to other people because of that privilege yeah so how can we move forward with that conversation and it's like you know again listening learning like um just like there in the realm of social media it's so easy to get information and so easy oh, yeah. to like you know like infographics things like that like you know these are things that our parents didn't have yes and we we all get them everywhere and, and these are conversations they definitely didn't have either <laughs> exactly and you know even like uh, just that like having a conversation with someone that you know yeah. like your family like i have had a journey with my family mm -hmm. you know i went I, i left my country and um i kind of like By, by being in Germany, I accepted my sexuality and, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm pansexual. This is what I am and that this is what, what it is. And coming out to my parents from the distance, I think, helped to make the process more smooth and have conversations that, you know, maybe in person wouldn't be uh, as easy to have. Mm -hmm. And seeing them and growing on that and, you know, like my mom being someone that, you know, at first when I told her, she's like, why did I do wrong? To now being someone that she tells yeah. me stories on how people say homophobic things and like, oh, that's so gay. And then she's like, hey, look, you know, like seeing my mom doing yes. that and seeing my mom sharing like infographics on that's like the LGBT. Best. It, it, yeah. it's, it, it's awesome. Feel proud of your parents when they, they're like stepping up for you and they're all my child. And you're like, yeah, you did it. Exactly. I, I knew you could do it. <laughs> Um, but you know, like it, there was a process to get there. And yes, these are there like, was conversations. And, yeah, and there were um, hard times, and like people don't always see that. They just think, oh, that's cool. Your parents are great. And you're like, oh, that was that was a struggle. You know, we really went through it. But and that's just like, the bare you know, minimum. You know, like yes. yeah, like just because my parents accept me doesn't mean my life is easy. You know, yeah, like, right. You have all, all this. Um, like let's talk about like feminine gays. They have to like really be self-conscious of how they dress or how they go, how they walk, because they can be killed. You know, there's mm -hmm. people. And and again, it, going back to that conversation of privilege and kind of like acknowledging when we say things, you know, it's really common for, um, I, I would say, like straight, like straight groups of guys to joke about and like and say things like, oh, that's so gay mm -hmm. or like, oh, don't be a faggot or things yeah, like that. Right. And because, again... For them, it's like, oh, I'm not like, you know, I'm okay with you being gay. Like, like yeah, I'm right? just saying this. They're making it out like being gay is a problem or being feminine is a problem. Like, exactly. it's not it's not okay to be a girl or it's not okay to exhibit these, like, stupid gendered, like, activities or roles. And it's like, I don't know. It's like, who even cares? But yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, like, all these groups, like, are having these conversations. And because, again, they look at them through the lens of, like, oh, I'm I'm straight, I'm a mm -hmm. man, you know, I have my girlfriend and all that. For them, saying gay <laughs> or saying faggot is not a big issue. And then it's like, yeah. look, there's people in the world that have been killed while being called a faggot. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. And it takes, again, acknowledge that privilege, say, wow, I don't have to deal with these things. Yes. It's not that easy. It's not that difficult to mm -hmm. uh, take the word faggot or the word gay as a joke out of your vocabulary. Or just like, don't be a pussy. Why is it that we think that that is an Being insult? Weak why is, is it a problem? Exactly. Or, yeah. Like, what what is it that makes like yeah. vaginas like a thing yes, that people right? relate with weakness? Yes. If, no, if all I see mm -hmm. them as like a sign of power, you know, mm -hmm. like giving birth, like all that yeah, stuff, right. you know, like bleeding every month, and you know, like I see my friends sharing this stuff, and they say like, "All you can do, I can do blood bleeding," and yeah, I'm like, right. "Yes, like that's <laughs> you know that, that I love that," and and yeah. it's like why again like. Things that, you know, just as simple as that, like, 
call someone a pussy like why is it that for you it's the cultural connotation in your head yeah you relate that with being weak yeah why is it that you in your head relate that with like you know something negative yeah and And it's like deeply rooted in our vernacular and it's it's like normalized so that's like that's what we're struggling to do now is to dismantle all of those connotations and to be better about it and to be more hey like we don't really say that here like hey like do you have a problem with gay people like that's the thing when you ask people if they have a problem with a group of people they're like no 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 like no it's all good and you're like but why would then why would you say that pertaining like, do you realize when you say this, mm-hmm. that means that you're putting down this group and you're making it sound like it's blah, 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 blah. But it's like people don't realize the power of their words. And yeah. that goes both ways, whether you're, you know, talking negatively about a group by using derogatory words. And it also helps, though, when you call people out like that and you tell them, like, do you realize when you say that, like, this is what you sound like and, like, that's not really okay because of blah, blah, blah. And, like, people definitely are prone to get you know um defensive because they yeah. don't want to seem like they're racist or like they're homophobic or like they have these preconceived prejudices yeah. because they know that that much is bad yeah and but it's hard to that, see like but, the examples you know, of why you know like, yes and not only that but one thing i've noticed personally is that because like when you live in privilege like privilege means that there are certain things that are not comfortable mm-hmm. when that privilege comes from like different things you know like being a guy, like, I, I know that, you know, like, yes, I'm pansexual and that's probably, like, something that could, like, be play against me. But at the end of the day, I'm a cisgender uh, man. And that's privileged over, uh, you know, any yeah, right. woman or, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so what I've, what I've come to realize is that be, when you live in privilege, everything is comfortable. Mm-hmm. When somebody comes and tells you all these things that you have been doing your whole life and nobody told you they were yeah. wrong... It feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why say that this is a conversation now? You know, there's a lot of things being said on our generation, calling our, uh, calling us the crystal generation mm-hmm. and how we are so sensitive and how we're so like... <laughs> and it's like, look, it's not that we're sensitive. It's that it's just that we have come to a point, thankfully, of history where we are aware of these things. We're more like... We're not you know, going to stand for it. Yeah, exactly. we're not going to tolerate it. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And... That's totally. that is uncomfortable for people, you know, like to have this, like have people calling them out on things that you know for them they were just so normal and they were so okay, and yeah. for them it's like, oh, why are you being so sensitive? And it's like, I am being sensitive. Yeah, I'm asking you to respect my identity. I'm asking yeah. you to respect me as a person. And you're why like, why are I'm you just, feeling attacked? Yeah, you're like, why? I'm hyper aware and I know myself. And exactly. that's like the our parents' generation. I saw a TikTok actually. It was really funny. It's like. My parents' generation, like, talks about how they got through college and they did a lot and they never were depressed. But it's because they bottled up their feelings. Mm -hmm. And then they put that onto us as the children. And now we are, like, hyper aware and we're very in tune with ourselves. Or we're learning how to have better conversations about mental health. And our parents don't always understand. Because I love my mom, but she also struggles with, like, talking about depression and anxiety. And Mm -hmm. she's, like... She doesn't, I don't want to say she doesn't think it's real, but she thinks that it's solvable without therapy and without medication. Like you can just work it away or journal it away or whatever. And that's made it kind of hard because my younger brother like struggles really badly from mental health. And I think I have a hard time admitting when I'm struggling because I have, I've kind of like gone with the things that my mom has told me. So I'm like, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And it's like, I'm invalidating when I don't, when I'm not feeling great. And I don't know how to talk about it. And I think that is what our generation is getting better at, though, is being hyper aware and conscious of 
what we do and what we say and how it's what we're putting out into the world yeah. and how it's a uh, excuse me how it's affecting each other and like we're trying to be better about that and it might come off as us being sensitive but if anything I think we're just being more prone to trying to be empathetic and it's yeah. like we're trying to look out for one another because obviously nobody else is going to do it and it's like when people get mad about when you can be very opinionated on stuff you're like I'm just trying to make things better and I'm trying to like do my part and I'm hoping that it'll rub off on you and that kind of stuff so yeah. I I get it, but I don't think that it's wrong. I don't think you should feel bad for being more sensitive prone or being more aware of other people and stuff. So Yeah, I think because of how much progress been has been done in all mm -hmm. these areas, a lot of people think about them and they're like, Oh, this is not an issue. It's twenty twenty, you know? Like, yeah, right. It's like Or it's the opposite blind. and it's, it's like, like we're twenty twenty, we need to be better. You know, yeah. it's it's just so it's either that or the other. Like it's it's just Yeah, yeah. And, and and for me it's like you you know these conversations like need to happen in a in a constructive way but in a way that you know we acknowledge what's been done in the past and mm -hmm. what hasn't worked yes i think you know like i'm i'm going to bring the example of like people that say oh i don't see color you know i don't see um wh when i see people i don't see color like you know for them that's not being racist and it's like you are like if by having that perspective what many people don't realize is that they're hurting more than when they're helping because yeah, they're exactly. not acknowledging that the system is still set to like, yeah. uh, for other people to fail. And um, if, if, if your perspective is like, you know, color blindness when it comes to racial issues, what really what it comes to do is like saying, oh, like race is not an issue. So all the, all the, like you're kind of like invalidating all the experiences of black and indigenous, indigenous and people of color, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, so it's like how, how do we learn to have these conversations while not invalidating people's experiences? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, let's check my, I have to check my privilege. Um, we all have to do it. Like it, it has to be, but also, you know, speaking up and, 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 and standing against like, kind of like having this upstander bystander role, you know, and, and just uh, being an upstander. And, you know, if you see something that is not right in, why why is it that you feel just asking the the, the elemental question like if you don't want to do anything why is it that you don't feel compelled to say mm -hmm. something you know yeah is it because it doesn't affect you uh personally and if it doesn't affect you like do you think you should be quiet or do you think there is something you can do from like yeah that position of privilege and one thing that i've been noticing these days and i'm really proud of and, and i'm really happy about is that a lot of people have been acknowledging their privileges and they have come to like stand up for minority groups and kind of like you know take the burden out of their shoulders and say look I am responsible to have these conversations with you because of the privilege I hold and let's have a conversation let's talk about this mm -hmm. um and, and it's it's really important and um, there's this really like interesting conversation that happened between um, two students and um, I was like I, I, I it was one of my friends was having this conversation with someone and um, you know that was kind of questioning the Black Lives Matter movement and this person like my, my friend is black and he was kind of like saying you know you will never understand because you're not black you know, you'll never understand what it is to like walk with fear at night because somebody shoot you might, might shoot you just because they think you are, you know, stealing something or things like yeah, that. Yeah, right. 
And the other person's response, um, like it was a girl, she's like, well, you will never understand, you know, what it is to like have people stare at you when you go to the supermarket. You will never understand what it is mm -hmm. to feel when you're walking down because you might yeah. be raped or, you know, like all that stuff. And I think my friend did a really good job at saying that's the whole point. Because I, as a guy, do not understand the things that you experience as a woman. I'm here to actively listen and say, I, you know, like, your experiences are valid. Like, what can I do from my position of privilege to help? But it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. The same way you have to listen yeah. to me and say, oh, you know, like, that's something that doesn't affect me. It doesn't mean, like, we need to get out of that narrative of saying that doesn't affect me. Yeah. You know, it's not an issue. Just because something is not an issue to you, it doesn't mean it's not an issue to someone else. Yeah, and I see what you're saying. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and, and um, by doing that, like, first step, again, empathy and reali realizing, like, wow, like, I've had it easy because that was not a thing in my life. What can I do from that position to help each other? And, yes. and again, at the end of the day, this comes to, like, How much do you care for your peers? How much do you care for for oh, your yeah. community? Because you can go your whole life just like, like you said, like you just have like blinders on, and you're like, well, I know what I go through, and I know mm -hmm. that that's hard. But oh yeah, that's right. There are other people that go through stuff that, since they're different from me, I won't understand that feeling. And I think you're right. And I feel like with your position, though, you are bridging all of these gaps between people. And you're able to kind of guide the conversations so that way everybody gets a chance at feeling heard and you're able to kind of facilitate and bring these like circles of people or groups or narratives or whatever and you're able to intersect them. And I don't mean that literally with intersectionality, but I mean like you're you're able to kind of help people have these conversations yeah. so that way we all can be on the same page going forward so we can continue to be advocates for people for the rest of our lives, not just while we're here in school. So, no, I agree. I think that's really cool. Yeah. God, I feel like I need a breath. I need a water. <laughs> I need a fan. Ugh. If you're still here, thank you for listening to all of us. I feel like I honestly forgot we were recording for like a hot minute because we were just getting so into it. I thought yes. Was so to kind of close it out, what are your... What are you excited to continue to do as the VPIE going forward? And what do you hope for the next person that will take this position from you? Um, I look forward to just like really bring that perspective of like of, of, of diversity and inclusion to every aspect of our community and realizing like, you know, From the, the from things like the hiring process, you know, how mm -hmm. does the college hire people? Like, how can we make sure that we attract a diverse poll? You know, how can we make sure, like, that, um, same with Senate, you know, like, just making sure that, like, I, I'm excited about bringing that aspect into, like, conversations and making people realize that, while you've been doing this for a long time and it wasn't an issue uh, all this time, it's always been a problem. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really excited to just like, you know, bring light to these problems and say, like, I don't necessarily expect to solve them. You know, I don't have all the answers. I don't have, um, this is a one year position. Um, and yes, you know, like who knows, maybe next year I'll, I'll, I'll run for it again or whatever. But like, again, I, I, I'm excited to set that groundwork so that 
things are easier for whoever comes in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think in the future, like what I would like to see from this position is like, it's a, it's a hard question because yeah. there is so much that comes into play. I just really would like to see someone that is willing to listen. Someone that, you know, is not afraid to speak up. A lot of these conversations are really hard. A lot of these conversations require, you know, taking the courage to say, hey, this was not okay. Hey, this is enough. Like, we need to do things differently. Um, and I, I just really wish to see, like, people, and like, that they're empowered enough to say those things without thinking about the consequences because you know that there will be no consequences. You know, like, that we live in a community that is open enough where we can be really critical to, like, just holding each other to, like, a high, the yeah, highest right. standards. Yes. You know, that that's what I really wish to see. And just, like, you know, like, in the really, really long term, maybe they look back and, and they, like, at it and they say, like, you know, some, not that this position will not be needed, but, like, you know, to a point where it becomes a normal. Yes. You know, that it doesn't have to be, like, oh, VP of Inclusive Excellence dealing with these issues. It's just, like, we're all dealing with these issues. You yeah. Know, it's no, not, I, to I think um, I totally understand. Yeah. So that's... that's. I think that's a great long-term goal for everybody, you know, it in life, not just here. But, I yeah, I feel like that's why these positions are important because you're trying to implement that now for, like, Whoever's next. Yes. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I think that that's it. And then it takes to look forward. Um, I think every project for me is exciting. I think I can tell you, like, my, for people listening, you know, there's a couple of things that we have gotten done. Um, I, I saw a big problem when it comes to, like, women's issues on campus. You know, the, the, the way that uh, varsity sport or sports are treated differently for men and women and how, mm -hmm. you know, girls don't get the same advertisement they don't get the same attendance like why is it that people feel like oh i'm gonna go to the guys game but not the girls you know mm -hmm. um and that kind of like made me think of like more simple things on how you know there is girls here that struggle with money and you know the, and the fact that they even have to worry about like something as menstrual products mm -hmm. uh as, as simple as that that really made me think so we approved a project to install uh some menstrual product dispensers in some of the buildings um and hopefully that um will eventually lead to like installing that in every bathroom yeah that'd be um, awesome so there is that's something that we're, we're we're looking forward to um there is uh, our ad hoc committee right now that is uh we're getting putting together to address all these race and uh, ethnicity issues that were brought up by the current climate. And mm -hmm. we're gonna be working on that in the next couple of weeks and kind of like having these discussions. You know, and uh, one of our goals is to find a way to implement that, like all these conversations into the curriculum. You know, like making maybe making a class that uh, freshmen have to take with FYS and CIV on intersectionality, you know? Yeah, like, that's right. something that I would yeah. love to see. So cool. that, that that's something Just that we'll right be addressing. Just right off the bat, be like, this is what you're here for. Yes. Buckle up. <laughs> exactly. And, and kind of like just, there is a lot of resources on campus that are initiatives from 
very specific organizations or very specific departments and mm -hmm. when you look at them they should be available to everyone or they should be like more, more widespread you know just something as simple as the condoms being available in the health and, self yes. and wellness department when it's closed you cannot go and access them so right now like i'm applying for oh, a to get a grant um to get a bunch of condoms to have uh condoms dispensers stored in all bathrooms so they're accessible to everyone. That'd you know, be cool. could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, it's just like these little things. Like it, there is a lot of initiatives. Like again, the, the menstrual products. Like or ambassadors had like that available for everyone who needed it. Mm -hmm. But why is it that you know they saw it as a problem? Why is it that it wasn't addressed in a big scale campus wide? Mm -hmm. So those are like the things that I am looking forward to. Is kind of like expanding on the good initiatives and the good stuff that. A lot of people have been doing on campus for a long time, but really making sure that that, you know, is known and that is known that that work is being done, but also making it available to everyone. And mm -hmm. um, I'm just really excited for this year. I think um, I, I have an amazing team with Executive Council and I think a lot yes. of, we will accomplish a lot of great things this year. So. True that. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> There you have it. An hour and 12 minutes, 13 minutes. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Thanks yeah. for being here, Christian. Well, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And thanks to everybody who listened. Um, we're finalizing like a schedule, or I guess I'm finalizing a schedule. I talk like as if I have a team, but it's just me. Um, but I think this podcast may either be weekly or biweekly. It really just depends on um, everyone else's availability that I want to have on this show but i hope you guys liked it um make sure to follow the executive council instagram um myself and armando guerrero we are both the social media like coordinator people for um like basically like communications for senate so we're gonna try to make um the social media more friendly user friendly um with content so be on the lookout for that always check your student email to make sure that you're up to date with the senate newsletters that come out and whatnot and we're really excited christian to see what you do well thank you thank you, you a good time yes so. thanks for listening guys bye